0: Hello and welcome to the State of Customer Service podcast. This week, we're taking a look at the link between customer support and product management. I've got two guests with me today. The first one is MJ Marquez, who is a product manager at Timeshift. MJ spent five years in customer support before moving across into the product management space. Making her uniquely equipped to talk about both customer support and product management and the link between the two. We're also joined by SentiSum's very own product manager, Kirsty, who's helped build SentiSum's product from the ground up for the customer support space. So both MJ and Kirsty have real first hand experience of this overlap between customer support and product and how they can work better together. In this episode, we discuss a few key topics. Firstly, what useful data can be found in customer support tickets? What customer insights and voice of the customer data can be taken and used by product managers to improve customer experience? Secondly, what are the skill sets that support agents have and how can they be powerful for businesses and product teams? And finally, how can customer support professionals leverage their skill set to jump into a career in product? We cover lots and lots of practical advice in this episode that will be valuable for support professionals, whatever stage of their career. And don't forget to subscribe because we post episodes like this with incredible support leaders every single week. Okay, welcome to the podcast, both of you. Um, really great to talking to you today. I, like super excited to talk about this topic in particular. Um, MJ and Kirsty, maybe we just have like a one minute overview of what who you are and what you do first of yeah, all. Sure. Sure.
1: <laughs> I hate
0: intros. Let's do it.
1: Thanks. I'm Kirsty. Um, I'm here today because I'm a project owner at um look after customer success stuff as well. Excited to talk about product and support how they tie
2: together.
0: Cool. MJ?
2: Yes. So I'm MJ. I'm here because I'm a product manager at Time Shift and because I worked in support for 10 years before I became a product manager. Yeah,
0: perfect. That's, it's great. we have, um, yeah, two product people, but also both our companies work in this space and you've worked in customer support. So actually we have like, we have mm-hmm. the, okay, I think first place to start is like that kind of why are we actually talking about that link between product and support? Why is there even a connection? I don't think necessarily before I got into this industry, I would have put a connection between those two. I wouldn't have known really anything about it. Now it's blatantly obvious to me. What would you both say, or you know, one of you, whoever wants to pick it up, but the connection? Why does this exist? Why are we even talking about something between product and support?
2: Well, I can tell you that um, I've, I've worked in several different places in, uh, in support. I've worked for more corporate places and more startupy places, right? Mm-hmm. And when I started in like the corporate world, big telco companies uh, working in support, I can tell you that there was no connection. So I only learned about this connection when I went into startup environments and I noticed that people actually listen to what support has to say. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. They would come to me for uh, advice and uh, f- what are customers thinking or feeling, or uh, what do they want, what do they need so I think it's changing like we see more and more corporate companies like doing that as well, but there's just such great feedback from support because you handle cases every day, you handle questions every day, you solve problems, you know what customers want, you know what they need because they tell you, and there's and in product you also are supposed to do that, right? You're, you're also supposed to connect with customers, but it's not as, you know, as persistent or as recurring as if you're in support, yeah, right? Yeah. So You're like,
1: yeah. as a product person, you're always hungry for like that customer insight, like under- really understanding them. But in support, you just get that day-to-day. Like you just absorb it anyway, because that's, the, you just get of it, like thrown at you.
0: I think there's growing awareness around the fact that i guess the customer is like the most important thing or like the voice of the customer is important and that's why they're looking for new sources of data or is it the growing awareness around the fact that customer support is actually really owning that channel
2: maybe a little bit of both actually because i feel like there's always this uh, thing that you hear which is the customer is always right right you always <laughs> hear that but in reality what you what we've always seen is that that's not the case or at least again in my experience inside the corporate world that was not the case at all there was just no Mm. listening in or at least at least from what i could see but i think we realized from time to time and you know with startups and with people coming up with new ways of doing their work and experimenting and you know all of that they realized that (laughs) customers actually that use the product have important things to say so yeah and I think it's a mix of those things. It's a mix of, you know, that support talks to these customers every day. And finally, you're listening to your customer. But I think it's a very recent thing. And just yeah. for some companies, maybe Portugal is was a little outdated in some of the things that we were doing, like, maybe 10 years ago or 12 years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are still, like, the bigger the companies that I talk to, the less they are, like, adapted to listening for the voice of the customer, like you know like they can some even haven't got like MPS set up yet and like like small things like that is like yeah. actually quite a massive thing um sort of for them to implement and to like actually roll out so it's yeah it's very uh, difficult but I think is there like a is this where a difference in product and support is support teams like always want what's best for the customer and product have to also want what's best for the customer. But you have to also make decisions that are also like a trade-off between what the customer wants and what is best for the business as well. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm like struggling with right now, (laughs) trying to do both. I want to make everyone happy, but a product person can't
2: do that. Yeah. I think in a way, again, the customer is always right. Very outdated concept because yes, you have to listen to the customer, but you sometimes you also have to, you know, like give it your own spin to fit the business needs and your strategy or your vision in the long run that you have. So it's kind of a balance between that. And sometimes you even have things that do the the thing that the customer wants to, they just don't know about it. So you have, because it's another way, right? So you kind of need to investigate that and you need to do that as product. And as support, because there's always a workaround that support finds <laughs> that works for the customer, right? So yeah.
1: Is there any tension that arises from that? Do you find, like, with separate teams, like when, for example, you're not able to sort of prioritize a fix? How do you handle that with support?
2: Yeah, I mean, it does sometimes. Yes, there there is some tension, not a lot. I mean, if you work with if you work with. Uh, good people and smart people that really know the product and what you're doing and that trust the work that you're doing. Tensions do not arise, but sometimes, of course, the way to deal with it is, honestly, for me, what worked is gather data, is say, yes, I know this is a problem, but maybe it's not as big as a problem as you think it is because look at this, this tells me that it's a small problem compared to this other thing that we need to fix. So I think doing a comparison and relying on the data that you you can have, I think that helps a lot. I don't know if you've went through the same thing, probably, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I think, um, I guess it's like, for me having that conversation with customers as well and figuring out how to like frame it with them. Because I guess my role is a bit more customer success rather than like strict customer support of like solving mm-hmm. problems and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's more like building that relationship of like, yes, this, this is a problem. <laughs> we know it's a problem <laughs> it will still be a problem next week <laughs> and like we, we just need to like you know we're also working on these things that are really exciting and
0: yeah just to uh go into something that you, you were talking about before about like how it's often corporates who are not really aware of this relationship between product and and support but as soon as you move into a startup you realize like everyone i think i think everyone maybe is more in touch with if we don't listen to our customer the business might fail it's a little bit of a one yeah. relationships so we need to find ways to do that but another thing yeah i guess that there's an issue with corporates that the support team is probably quite far away from the product team and as a company scales that just becomes difficult to actually keep that connection close um is that something you saw i mean what about the relationship between the two was it actually difficult to have communication channels between the two and accessibility of support data
2: yeah like in in the corporate companies that i worked for like again big telco portuguese companies and. the finance institutions and everything there's just no I've never met a product person I didn't even know what a product manager was or what they did or a gestor de produtos because that's the Portuguese way of saying it I I didn't even know who that person was or what they did nothing at all and it was only when I was um at the time at TalkDesk that I realized that there is a connection here because there used to be like these uh, regular meetings. They still happen today, I know, because my brother still works there and he works in support. So he still has those meetings. But there are, yeah, (laughs) there are recurring meetings where support actually goes through some uh, problems that might be happening. So like bugs or anything of the sort. Uh, or any escalations uh, that a, the customer has, and they go through it with product and QA. Of course, this is not all of the product organization. Uh, at first, it was because we were small. There was like one, two product managers. So it was, it was easy. As it scaled, it became a little harder. But the solution they found was just to have people dedicated to certain areas. So the product scale, It's not the talk desk is this huge, huge thing, you know, every area of a call center basically cover, that's their goal, right? To become a, um, an integrated one to, uh, uh, end-to-end solution for everyone. So there's a lot there. And they found that if they have kind of like product experts in each area, it helps. So support members are product experts in each of the areas and they communicate with their product managers and they have these this close relationship with them uh also the meetings still occur the bug the bugs it's the bug triage that's what they call them and usually yeah now it's uh, before it was me um then i moved to product it was someone else now it's my brother who actually does them and he does that with so he goes through the bugs. and there's like what i don't know but it's probably like four or five uh, associate product managers there that work in different areas. And if they don't know something, they just like make a comment in JIRA, ask, you know, like, so there's a very close relationship without a doubt. Like, and that, that was the way that they, so basically what we did was we, we added people to the meeting and eventually there we came up with the concept of like product experts to you know build that relationship with the individual areas or departments that the company has and that I think that really helped them for sure
0: what was the aim of that meeting was it to tackle those bugs because of reducing support tickets or was it about customer problems it
2: was about assigning the bug to the correct team basically and to go through it and to see if it made sense because sometimes oh it's not a you know it's not a bug it's a feature those happen a lot <laughs> <laughs> Or, oh, no, It's it just works that way. Leave it alone. It's, it's fine, right? So uh, I think the meetings were more to kind of understand, have an understanding of what the problem is, and then, if needed, assign the bug to the correct team to be worked on, give it the right priority, give it the right, you know, like, just a conversation around it. So the problem is fixed or the problem is not fixed, but the product team tells the the support team why it won't be fixed. So then you can go back to your customer and actually have a reason or a valid reason or what we think might be a valid reason uh, for it to not be fixed.
0: So as as a company scales, having those meetings and having dedicated support people is one answer to keeping that keeping that going. And again, if you're already a corporate and you're not in that situation, working backwards into that. (laughs) it's probably a good idea
2: yeah for sure Mm -hmm. how do you guys deal with it at your company like how how do you maintain the relationship so like
1: yeah it's basically me (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll gather like um any issues and feature requests that customers have and then yeah just sort of battle it out a bit more informally Mm -hmm. about what's the best direction to go in um, cause we're just, we're just at quite a different stage at the moment where we're just trying to like make customers ha- as happy as possible. And like one, once we like scale, then I'm sure we'll get a lot more issues.
2: There is some, there is something though that I'll tell you guys that I haven't found the correct solution for it yet, which is because I was talking about bugs and problems, right? But What about feature requests? How do you, where do you store that? Like, where do you keep that? So that the product manager or the director product or whoever actually knows where to go and find it and remembers to go there and find it, that mm. has always been an issue
0: <laughs> How do you so this is like something i didn't I did, it's not my job to do user research, uh, but in the mm. last month I did, we did some of it and um, yeah I mean one of the things that was like made quite clear to me was that just because someone asks for a feature doesn't mean that it's a good idea to make that feature. <laughs> or doesn't, yes. Doesn't mean even if you like launch this feature, like a hundred people ask for it, doesn't mean that that actually is solving the problem. It's like you need to take a step mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. <laughs> so think about why they're asking for that feature because <laughs> they're not. Yeah. Yes. They're not the innovators. Yeah. They would wish they could. Yeah. They're not the ones building products. It's or, a
1: tough one to manage, I think, with customers. Um, And you, I think as a product person as well, you do have to like stop yourself from assuming that the feature is like valid as well. And you have to keep asking like why. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult. How, MJ, how do you prioritize feature requests and get them in the right place then? Have you figured that out yet? Or like, (laughs) no?
2: It's still, again, it's still a, it's still a big conundrum. Um... Well, I've seen it happen in different ways. Like uh, I think at, at Talkdesk first, they were putting everything in Jira. And mm-hmm. what we found was that it just stayed there. And don't put, so it was just open, open in the future request, and it stays there forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Not scalable, not good. Another way that they did this, which is, I don't necessarily agree or disagree, but they do it in Salesforce. So they work with Salesforce and mm-hmm. they do something called a gap. Uh, and they assign a bunch of information in there about the customer, like which is really, really, re- which is really good because then Salesforce allows you to export that data. And for a product manager, it's good, so you can kind of see uh, similar subjects in one place. So they organize it by departments, and then they have MRR of the customer or, or, or ARR, um, and all of that information, like if it's a customer or a prospect, like uh, at what point. Are, is the customer with us? What's the relationship like? So they have all that information. It's really good as a product manager to get that because you can then actually prioritize better according to not only the feature, right? But all of these other things that we have taken into consideration unfortunately, which is ARR, where we are with the customer, what's our relationship like? Are they churning or not? Do we want to keep them? So there can be a conversation around it, right? And that is a good way to do it but again it's still very you have a lot of information in there there's a lot of information so it's yeah. hard to kind of you know streamline it and yeah. Uh, to yeah like prioritize
1: in what way as well but yeah yeah and at <laughs> time
2: shift we're doing something similar as well so not in salesforce because we don't work with salesforce but we're doing now we're going to start doing something similar okay. as well so yeah, But again, I don't know the for the magic formula. For me, it was still weird to go into Salesforce and, you know, uh, let's go through all of these, you know, thousands of feedback and comment and let's like work through it. So, but yeah, it happens.
0: But most of our, our customers are on the B2C side. So that's not just thousands. It's like 50,000 a month, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've only worked in B2B, so at least. <laughs> Yeah. I have yet to enter the B two C space. <laughs>
1: that's what I like about B two C is you have a lot of data, and then mm-hmm. and you also have a lot of data.
0: It's like... <laughs> yeah. I think that's, it's
2: good and bad. Yeah.
0: That's when like the support data becomes. I don't know, maybe Kirsty, if you agree with this, but about being, it's about like the friction, like the data is about customers every time they have an issue,
1: like, yeah,
0: coming in and just complaining. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. they don't request much in particular, but you can see the problems very clearly, especially yeah. over over like fifty thousand tickets, like ten thousand are about this.
1: Yeah, this one thing that you really should fix. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of um, important information in sport that kind of gets like glossed over. You obviously get the very much like oh, I want this feature, you should do this, and then but then like you get the more sort of things of like oh I'm. I'm trying to do this. Can you help me? Like things that could signal some kind of friction in the product journey. Like it's blocking people from like their product goal. And it's identifying like those bits of friction as well. That's like really Mm -hmm. important. And like anything that I guess could be automated. You know, a lot of times agents get asked to do tasks that, you know, should really just be inbuilt in the product. Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. have not been built yet so tens of agents will be doing that thing making some account change and like it you know it just should be in the in the product but it's not and then and then obviously you just get the complaining about bugs or broken things and
2: yeah that's the thing because you have those workarounds right then you don't feel compelled or the strong need to actually put that in the product because you have that workaround (laughs) Because it's like
1: doing the work. Yeah. And it's like not super visible. An agent will just do it and then move on to the next ticket. And, you know, unless they want to super moan about it at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Unless
2: you're very vocal, right? About it. That's true. That's true. Especially
0: for the companies that I say, like in the e commerce and that kind of thing, where there's those friction points mean directly people checking out of the basket. Yeah. Mm -hmm directly impacting sales that's when like all those details every month is important and especially as well if you're trying to run like a really lean uh, customer support team and you have 10 people dealing with a bug that like you said like a small account change that could just be done in the product i think it's it's
1: just all those things that are sort of forgotten about it's but then like from a, i always think then from a product perspective it's difficult to prioritize those things as well because sure. you have to work on new things and push new business and stuff so the case for automating something is a difficult one to make and you've got to have a lot of data to say this is how much it's costing us this is how much agents mm-hmm. are spending on it you know and and actually make a, a solid case otherwise it will just get deprioritized with everything else
0: <laughs> well, I, I interviewed someone on on like one of the early episodes of this podcast who was a support manager at Revolut like the the bank I thought that it was interesting because their, their product, every product owner or every feature owner, that was one of their performance targets was number of tickets relating to your product. Mm-hmm. So they really were cared about when we le- released a new feature, tell me what's, mm-hmm. how, how many tickets do we have about that? How how much is it reducing over time?
2: Yeah, I think that's it, it was the same. It was the same at, at Sox, if I can remember, right? Like when the There was a huge uh, launch of one of the products and they did the exact same thing. So they tracked the product uh, manager was really close with the support uh, person that was helping them. And I think they even had like a, a board where they put feature requests and stuff like that. So that they, because it was so specific just for that, that they really kept track of it. And it was really good. It made a world of difference into the product, basically.
0: I can imagine like just having that, awareness of the end user when you release a product and keeping on top of it yeah just to go like before we go into the career stuff what other kind of data exists in support do you think that can be useful for the rest of the business and especially product people
1: i want to see what mj says
2: (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) put the pressure on (laughs) sometimes even direction when it comes to new business or, 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 or where you want to go as a company, mm-hmm. like, f- for example, like at time shift, we are in the workforce management space. Right. So, but we do only a workforce management. We don't do um, QA or any of the work workforce optimization tools. Right. What if we start getting a lot of feedback from customers, right. That want a QA tool, something like that. Right. So mm-hmm. they want, Instead of using X tool and X tool, I just want to use uh, time shift for that. So Mm -hmm. that might be, if we hear that enough, right? uh, Maybe we branch out and maybe we create a new product based on that. And we branch out into the WFO um, Mm -hmm. space instead of just being in WFM specifically, right? And I think that happened a lot uh, at TalkDesk, like, they started to listen to all of these fee- feedback from customers, and realizing that why are they using something else when they could just be using this for everything? So yeah. that allowed them to expand. It was all of hearing of that feedback constantly that helped them expand their business. So mm-hmm. and that I think that's a great like a great uh, way to you know like it, you you just listen to what the customer has to say basically because that's that's what what mm-hmm. it is. And you think, maybe it makes sense. And you start thinking about it. Maybe it makes sense if we do this. And if it does not, if it's, and if it's in the same industry and everything, like then why not? Let's do it. Let's build something. So I think that's a great part
0: to it. that's a great one. So it's like kind of about building evidence and having confidence in what your customers want and and where you're going. Do you, yeah, out of interest, Do you think it's enough to have support tickets or would you as a product person then go away and do like a different type of research like user research would that be fill you with enough confidence i guess to to start building features
2: uh no (laughs) not just support tickets (laughs) (laughs) something something other than support tickets probably yeah um yeah yeah for sure support tickets
1: I feel like they surface the insights mm-hmm. and like make you aware like suggestions it can be difficult to like get a lot of data from support tickets on specific customer suggestions True. like if you if you can like highlight a couple of interesting ones each week get people thinking start a conversation and mm-hmm. then go into like you know deeper like user research conducting some interviews um you know and then and then you can you know then really dig into the issue um and and understand it more that's like then like like we were saying before like asking why and like Mm -hmm. going beyond the face value that's on a support ticket and then like yeah taking it sort of further yes a hundred
0: percent yeah it's not it's not the like be all and end all of product (laughs) I would, so I would love to know now like the career stuff. When was it, was it a talk desk that you moved into product or where was yes. it where you moved into product?
2: It was an internal move. So I was five years at talk desk. It was literally five years because I started, uh, in, on the 21st of October, 2015. And I started at time shift on the 21st of October, 2020. <laughs> so I don't know how I did that. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was at talk desk. So, um, I, I was with them and I was in support with them for three years. So I was an agent and then I was a, a team lead slash manager for the support team. And again, I thought that that was it for me, right? Oh, great. I have all of these growing, uh, you know, uh, opportunities and the uh, professional growth is going to be great. I'm going to be the rector of support. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> then I started seeing like some friends of mine move into product. And I was like, what's up with that? Like, uh, what? So some of the support members, my best my best friend, he was the first one to go to, to to product because I think right now they have moved five people to product from support. So, and that's, that's, that's a lot. So yeah. David was the first and we had, again, because we had those meetings, those bug meetings, right? They really helped us connect with the product team, right? So I think he started asking like, what do you guys do or what's up? And then, yeah, then he moved and I'm like, oh, so this is a possibility. But at the time I was still very interested in like, okay, no, I want to be a director of support. Like I'm going to like revolutionize the, the support team I talked to, this is going to be great. Then again, like two more friends of mine went into product and I'm like, is this interesting? Maybe this is an interesting career move. So I started like talking and asking around and um, yeah. And then I just went to the VP of product, uh, c k she 's now a a chief product officer at talk desk and I went to her one day she was in portugal um and she was in Lisbon and I went to her and I asked like if I could move to her team and she said yes <laughs> i'm like, okay, cool,
0: <laughs> just like that
2: that's, yeah, but not th- so easy <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy i just i have a lot of um I, w- I I had been there for quite some time and because i i i knew a lot of people that went into the product team, I sometimes they would go out to these dinners, right? As a product team. And then I would show up like, hello. <laughs> I'm <laughs> friends with all of these people. So that's I had a good relationship with with CK still do. And um and it was great she said yes, yes, because she already had the experience, right? She already knew that people from support make great product managers. At least in that context, they did because they know the product better than anyone. So yeah, of course, I went through the whole thing. I went through the whole process, like interviews, uh, a, a challenge, everything. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was easy in the sense that I just asked her. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the relationships are always important i guess like if she yeah. if they didn't like you or they didn't know you then maybe it would be a harder sell but
2: yeah for sure and i have the example like of um so after i left the talk desk um, they were looking of course for another pm and i recommended a person from support uh, i said look this person uh, is going i think she wants it so let's try and bring her to product and they did she's now in product she's an associate product manager mm-hmm. so she went through the process. She talked to HR. I think the process basically to start up, to start it up. And if you really want to move to another career, if you think that, first of all, I would, the number one recommendation is talk to people, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just, you know, ask HR, ask your manager. That's, that's how it, the, the process gets kickstarted, basically. That's how you kickstart it.
1: Why do you think support people in, at least in that context, did make, good product people as well
2: i think what i can what i've come to realize is that there are just like a lot of similarities to to it because you need to know a lot about the product so does a product manager same thing you need to know it inside out you need to constantly be in in tune to what's going on around you so not only your product but also like The other parts not only just what you work on but also the other parts so you know how the thing you work on fits right Mm. and you just ask questions constantly i mean if you're Mm. i'm not going to say if you're a good product manager but if you if you're a cure it it helps that you're a curious person and Mm. to constantly ask questions about what's going on Mm. and not only questions to customers but questions to you know your support team your customer success team your qa team your engineers, your designers, like ask questions, like see what's what's happening, gather that data for you. And then you can make actually informed decisions. I think it's the same with support. You ask questions to kind of like find out what's going on. And then finally you come up with a solution. And that's what, as product managers, we do as well. We come up with solutions for things, so. That's so true, actually.
1: I never thought of it like that, but like, that just reminds me, like, last week I was going through support tickets and I was like, what makes a bad support ticket? How do you, like, deal with it in a bad way? <laughs> and it's like, not asking enough questions is definitely something that liked yes. that for me. It was like, yeah, you need to, as a support person, keep asking those questions. So that makes you a good support person and that's also what makes a good product person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: There was a, a rule at TalkDesk Support back when I started which was Assumption is the mother of all (laughs) (laughs) fuck-ups. So again, it was like, ask questions, don't assume just because you've seen this before, doesn't mean it's exactly the same thing, might be something different, ask questions, ask questions, ask Mm -hmm. questions. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you a secret here, guys. That's, I've worked as an agent for 10 years, right? So it was a long time, and I believe I created some sort of barrier between the customer and myself. Yeah. Because of all the things that sometimes you as a support agent have to deal with. And when I say all the things, all the problems, all the negative, all the negativity, that happens a lot in support, right? You get a lot of negative feedback uh, from customers sometimes, right? If your company is not doing a good job, or even if it is, like you just get negative feedback sometimes. And now I'm having like uh, an interesting switch And I've, I've yet to, I think I I communicate pretty well with people in general, but I've yet to feel super comfortable when communicating with the customer, even as a product manager. It's like, Mm -hmm. I still have that barrier sometimes.
0: The barrier there because of previous kind of traumatic experiences with customers. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) It's kind of like, oh, it's so traumatized that (laughs) no, I can't.
0: (laughs) Can I trust you still?
2: Exactly it's coming down it's coming down slowly um and i communicate a lot with customers now in different ways so definitely but it was uh i remember talking first with customers as a product man. it was so weird i still had all of that you know respect or i don't know maybe yeah. i think it's the funny. corporate world messed me up <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: i can imagine though i mean i've heard it from from every support person i ever talked to about just don't abuse basically from angry customers
1: mm. and support people who are the ones who want to help out and like actually like solve stuff so they care and so you can see how you would like build up that barrier to try and build some space between you and the customer
2: i think it was about not not bringing it home like yeah you know yeah yeah
0: no. yeah i can imagine if like if you're if you are like, what stereotypically support people are, like get empathetic towards people, it's that like sensitivity level, Which if then people yeah. are really angry at you, that's going to be quite tough. What's the more like practical side of the things that you did, to, I guess, to jump? I think I think you, you mentioned like some good ones about relationship building and and, and that kind of thing.
2: Um, yeah, just for me, it was building the relationships, really, like talk to people from other departments. I think, especially if you're in the bigger company, right, you tend to be very much within your circle meaning within your team or within what you're doing right and i think if you branch out a little bit well now it's a little harder because everyone's at home but when once we're in a a setting of an office again it's easier like i made all of these relationships by you know grabbing grabbing a cigarette with one of them grabbing a coffee having breakfast like lunch uh you know Mm -hmm. grabbing a beer after work created all of these relationships and um that helped because I just started asking questions about what product did, uh, what were their responsibilities. And I started to realize that maybe I could do that and maybe I could be good at it because I had all of this feedback from support, all of this knowledge that I couldn't really do anything about. Well, except helping customers, of course, but that Mm -hmm. I couldn't like, you know, I couldn't use it directly to help the product. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just ask, ask, ask questions again and get to know people, get to know what they do. And then just be very open and honest about what you want, really. Like be very open to your manager. Hopefully you have a good manager that will understand. Like I had a great one. Um, the poor guy, he had been there for like three months. We had a great working relationship uh, because he was new, I knew, I, knew, I knew stuff. So we just like got along very well. He was like, oh, gonna be my manager. It's gonna be great. So he was the director at the time. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is gonna be great. I remember him asking me like on um on the performance evaluation uh, one of the rounds, he asked me, okay, so what do you want to do in the next six months? I wanna go to product. This guy, <laughs> this guy was crushed. <laughs> 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 to this day to t- till the day I left, he was still asking me, so do you wanna come work with me again?
1: <laughs>
0: <Do you>
2: wanna- <laughs> yeah, he was he's such a great guy. But yeah, just talk to your manager, talk to HR. If you think that your manager is not taking the step, for example, go directly to HR and talk to them. They're there to help you. Mm -hmm. And if they know that there's an opening, go to the careers webpage of your company, check it out. If there's an opening, you think you'd be good at it. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Talk to your manager and HR.
1: Yeah, I think like, um, there's always like a lot of conversations and like podcasts around like, how do you become a product manager? Like, it's Mm -hmm. this big thing. And like, I guess the, the way that we both did it was just like internally, like just internal progression. Like, don't worry about, I I would say, I don't know whether this is good advice, but I would say like, don't worry about all the things you like should know, obviously have an awareness. But I think having a deep understanding of the product in your company, having a good deep understanding of the customer in your company, having that context is the most important thing. Just being informed, I think is is the most important thing about product it's very clear when people are not informed and they're trying to make product decisions Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think i would just say to anyone don't stress out about like a hundred interviews for product management at like different companies i think sometimes your time is better spent going in a level lower building the relationships or in a different department and then go and then building your way up there
2: yeah for sure I think it's way harder if you apply to a different company for to yeah. start right yeah. because everyone looks for some sort it's like that a thing right when you get out of college you want a job but you don't have experience but then you need yeah. experience <laughs> so there's like, also, right?
1: there's also like bullshit requirements as well Someone starts like advertising for a product management job you've suddenly got to have all these skills that like just I don't have that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, as you said, relationships are the most important thing to help you get there.
2: For sure. And that's the thing, right? Like, you see, sometimes people make it like product managers as such a difficult job to do or such a, you know, like, wow, I, end- I mean, it is difficult, right? Because you have to juggle a lot at the same time. But on the other hand, if you're a good communicator, if you, you're good at building relationships with people, and if you're, you know, like a curious person, you'll do, you'll do a great job, honestly, because the rest, like the technical part of being a product manager, the agile things and the ceremonies and the, all of that, right? You learn, yeah. you learn it.
0: I think, I think I like the idea that, yeah, if it, it's really hard to get a junior product manager job if you're outside the company. If you work in support, like you have a competitive advantage like significant one over anyone who is going for a junior position yeah
1: I think it's a good message for like support leaders as well when when they talk about having an engaged team and getting the most out of their team like what the team really needs our growth opportunities as well because Mm -hmm. they may love support, but there are other things that they will want to carry on and do and creating that culture where it is possible to have those meetings with other departments where they can contribute meaningfully and just building those relationships with other areas of the business. I think is like, like all support leaders should, should be doing that if they're
2: not. Yeah, for sure. And and it's not, it's not just for product, right? Like I've known people, uh, there's a, a girl I used to work with in uh, in support back at TalkTask, she went into QA. And mm-hmm. QA, like really uh, the engineering uh, part of QA. So she went and became a QA um, engineer at TalkTask. Yeah. She she really liked that part. She applied and she got it. And now I think um, she's moving on uh, from TalkTask to another place where she's like starting basically a new career because, you know, Tarkas mm-hmm. gave her that opportunity to start somewhere else and now she has a whole new career that she probably never even thought about it. I remember when I first interviewed her, I was the one who hired her for support and when I first interviewed, interviewed her, she wanted to be in marketing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, now there's Sorry, <laughs> old, yeah, and now there's this whole thing, a whole new world op- that opened up to her. So it's like, don't keep your, op- I think keep your options open, right? Like that's, that's the thing.
0: And I would hire support people as well. That customer knowledge is so important in uh, in marketing. What are their biggest problems? Is like my yes. biggest problem right now. Like, how do I find out the biggest problems of our customers and and write stuff that entertains them or anything like that? Um, yeah. So it's a great training ground for probably. Yeah, any-
1: that's true. I think it's just difficult because not everyone sees it like that, right? That's the, that's the main issue, I guess. The
0: more, the more yeah. people do start seeing that, I think, and the more support people will be in the rest of the business and the more valued support will become. It's like a mm-hmm. a cycle and, the, and then mm-hmm. the, the more the data will be used and...
1: I guess like the concrete things that can happen is like, like MJ said, like having product experts within support uh, that liaise with different teams. But then also, if you think like more B 2 C as well, like you could have part of the support team just focused on retention, or mm-hmm. like some of their day on retention, or some of their day on new sales and like helping people through um, the sort of sales process. Like, uh, Shoe, I think they they do they have like this little video tool on their website where like they can start a video chat with a customer who needs help while they're purchasing Mm -hmm. and like that's a great way for support to then coach them through the purchase and like and you know then they will actually achieve a higher sort of basket value for that as well so then you start to really see like the value of support Mm -hmm. the startup i used to work for soon like i sat next to um the support team for a bit and i was sat next to these two people who would literally like be on the phone to customers giving them like interior design advice (laughs) and like you know oh yeah this chair would look great (laughs) in your lounge (laughs) like a much much uh much better than what i'm saying right now but like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was really sort of yeah it was it was just really as i was sitting there like convincing we just need to see support as like not just this one thing it's that actually just really helpful people that are like Trying to also do good for
2: the
0: business as well. Mm-hmm. Cool, guys. I think, think we come to the end. This <laughs> has <laughs> been super interesting. Like, really, it's been really awesome to have both of you as well and having different perspectives. Oh,
1: nice. Good.
0: Thank you both so much. Good
2: luck in the editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you guys for this. This was uh, nice. It's a first experience. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, it was. It was nice. Yeah.